Today on Stick to Football, the Jags, they're driving their Sherman. Yep, they're tanking. We're also going to preview the NFC North as we continue our 2020 NFL season previews and your guys' draft on draft questions, Matt Mello and our guy Connor. And gentlemen, I'm a big fan of the, the movies, and this is like a guilty pleasure. I shouldn't admit this. I really like the movies, The Purge. I was not aware that the Jacksonville Jaguars and Dave Caldwell also were fans of The Purge because he is getting rid of everyone. Leonard Fournette cut this morning. Yannick Ngakwe traded uh, on Friday, I believe it was. So since the last time we talked to you guys, Yannick Ngakwe, gone to the Vikings. Leonard Fournette, gone to him. As we're sitting here Monday morning, we do not know where he's going to end up. But this is a running back who rushed for over a thousand yards last year, uh, had like 70 catches, something crazy like that. I, I should have pulled the stats up before I started talking, but Melo Leonard Fournette was much better last year than I think people are giving him credit for. I mean, we talked about him on this show even last time. I, I think it's that old stick to football curse hitting again. Uh, like you said, though, Matt, this guy had his best year of his career last year. And then uh, the Jaguars, who were only on the hook for, I think, four million dollars decided they would rather have that $4 million. I don't know who's going to take carries in Jacksonville. Uh, Connor, I know a lot of us had uh, high hopes for Leonard Fournette in the fantasy football world, but I just don't know if we're going to have those now. Yeah, I really did. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you talk about somebody that had 100 targets last year, 76 catches out of those 100 targets, and almost 1,200 rushing yards. I know the touchdowns necessarily haven't been there in Jacksonville. I think that's actually a number that can go up depending on his landing spot. So this, as crazy as it sounds, might be even more exciting for his fantasy potential. What if he goes to a Pittsburgh or something like that? Uh, I would find that really interesting. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's kind of a really nice scheme fit there. (laughs) When you look at the Jacksonville side of this, yes, Matt, I I think I think it's safe to say this is a team that no one's going to come out and say it. But the tank is on. Now, I am a believer that Gardner Minshew will Fitzpatrick this and win them a couple games, and they won't pick first or something along those lines. But I think in terms of tanking, it's similar to the Dolphins in a sense that they are trying to flip the culture here. And if you talk to anybody close to this Jacksonville football team, they have not liked Leonard Fournette for a very long time. Now, he was productive last year. Not great and not efficient, but productive in a sense. So they were trying to get rid of him for a very long time now, and it comes to this uh, final decision here where they say, hey, we can't even get a sixth or we can't even get a Kalen Balaj conditional seventh right. that probably will fall through in this. We're just cutting him. Yeah, and I think even we saw that this morning uh, on a conference call, Doug Marone, head coach, said, we tried. We couldn't get anything, a fifth or sixth. You are trading for a guy who, like Mello said, is $4 million on an expiring deal because they didn't pick up that uh, fifth-year option. But Leonard Fournette is still a good running back, and I know that that's kind of like an oxymoron, but he is still good. And we have to talk about the fits for him, not just in fantasy football, because I'm not offloading him yet. I have him on a couple of my teams. I'm holding on to him. Um, (laughs) But the fits for him... We're all going to say it, so we might as well get it out of the way. It's Pittsburgh. I'm not a James Conner fan. You guys know that. I think he's all day average, maybe a little even below that. Leonard Fournette is a perfect scheme fit there, and I think that's important, the scheme fit there. You're not going to just look at a team and, like, he's not going to be a fit for everyone. 
but I do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best fit. Now, could the Los Angeles Rams get involved? Yes. Could the Atlanta Falcons get involved? Yes. But I think Pittsburgh, if I'm Leonard Fournette, I'm having my agent call them first. Yeah, if, I, if I'm Fournette, that's where I would want to go. It's going to be tricky with the cap money that these teams have, though, because even the the Steelers and the Rams don't have a lot of cap space. I think that you have to look at other teams. Like Buffalo has a really good young running back, but maybe they want a little more security there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles, with Miles Sanders being out, if they kind of kick the tires and see what the deal is. It's really shocking to me, though, that no one was willing to trade any picks uh, to get this guy and secure him. So you I don't know that he's going to take a big deal. This is probably going to be a one-year prove-it deal or maybe even uh, at best like the deal that Todd Gurley got. I would think something along those lines. The money in terms of the running back market is just abysmal at this point for a guy like Fournette. It, it makes me wonder, to your point, Matt, can an agent get out in front of this and try to convince a team to give up maybe a seventh-round pick at some point or a team that puts in a waiver claim, hey, we, we can yeah. – we can take a pay cut here. We don't need the four million. You know, you're one of the teams that we would maybe cut that in half down to two million or one point five million because the payoff for the rest of his career could be that great. Now, when I look at the player, I think something that is important for us to talk about here, guys, and we're going to talk about the Jacksonville side a lot because when you look at Jacksonville, the Jets, I believe there's one other team that's slipping my mind right now that they're going to be the teams for this draft. They just have a lot of picks. They have, you know, multiple picks throughout the first five rounds. They're going to kind of control this draft for a little bit. And my, oh, Miami, again, yep. has another first rounder that could be a very high pick with that Texan selection. I want to talk about the scouting side of Fournette here. This is somebody that I think all of us had at least pretty good expectations for. I don't. I would not call him a bust, but I would not call him a hit either. It's been somewhere in the middle where I think there is some kind of character work ethic concerns here without a doubt because you look in the same class, Christian McCaffrey has been everything and more that we thought he would be while Fournette has not even come close to the potential that he had. I'll start with you, Matt. Where do you think, and I hate saying this phrase, but I think we have to frame it this way. Where do you think it went wrong for Leonard Fournette in these first three years? Man, it's that is tough. I think some of it was wear and tear. I mean, and we even saw that at LSU. I mean, this is a big running back who's going to take a lot of hits. Like, you know that about him. That was even the concern coming out of college. And I think that's been it to a degree. I, I also think, you know, you can look back at... This is a team that was, they had a lead in the AFC Championship game not that long ago, and it was built on a great defense in Leonard Fournette, but they never had offensive support. You know, the offensive line has not been developed, and the quarterback position, you know, they bet on Blake Bortles for far too long. You bring in Nick Foles, he gets unseated by Gardner Minshew, like they've just not developed offensively, so I think the team is to blame a little bit here, but I also think, you know, we've seen and we've all you know heard the rumblings that the Fournette's not the easiest guy to get along with. You know, I mean, he and Jamal Adams have gone at it on Twitter and they went to the same college. They were on the same team. And so I think also I do think with Fournette, whether he's rough around the edges or just didn't like Tom Coughlin and that style that Jacksonville tried so hard to implement, even though Coughlin's gone now, I mean, I'm not trying to excuse the player, but we've seen a lot of guys want out of there. Jalen Ramsey wanted out. Yannick Ngakwe wanted out. And I don't think that Leonard Fournette is probably given his all as a running back where you have an incredibly short shelf life. 
I don't know if I'm going to go out there and bust my ass for a team that's not trying to win when he might get one more good contract. And it's like, okay, I have to go out there and be everything for a team that is not supporting me. I could see how he might make it to where they had to get rid of him. Yeah, and I think this is probably a good news day if you're Leonard Fournette. I text right. him congratulations. You're only 25 years old, and you get a chance. I mean, the teams that we're kind of tying him to, those are contenders. I, I think that uh, that is a reason why I think Pittsburgh is a favorite as well. I think they want a big physical back out of the backfield that can catch the ball, and that's a team that can contend in the AFC, not a team that's tanking. And sorry, Jaguars fans, if you guys are still in denial, but you're 100% taking. You're trying to get a quarterback, and you might not even have to trade any picks to do it. You might just qualify with that first overall. And and I want to hop in here real quick because something that's frustrating the hell out of me this morning on Twitter. So we all wake up. Oh, uh, the other day, you wake up at 6 a.m. and is traded. Jags are tanking. You wake up this morning, uh, Fournette's cut. Jags are tanking. And it's like as soon as that, perception leaks out there on Twitter of like, oh, Jags are tanking or Dave Caldwell hasn't had a good first round pick that's still on the team and he's been there since 2013. So you're seeing those things leak out on Twitter, even prominent people saying it. And then there's this rush and I respect these guys. I know this is their job. There's this rush by Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport to be like, well, the Jags aren't tanking. They're rebuilding the culture. Or, oh, the Jags aren't tanking. They tried trading him. Like, why can't we just be honest and be like, they might not be trying to go 0-16, but they're trying to get Trevor Lawrence. That's why we're here. Right. right. Like, I this, mean, yeah, that's what the show's built on. It's just another way of building your franchise. Like you could go the Jeff Fisher route and continue to be seven and nine and seven and nine, or just blow this thing up and say, let's get our chance at a franchise quarterback. There are three of them in this draft. Like it's not, uh, you know, talking shit on the Jaguars to be like, oh, you guys are tanking. It's worked it's for a lot of teams. It's smart. Like if right? you have an elite quarterback or you don't. I mean, look at where we were talking about, how we were talking about the Dolphins last year at this time compared to now. Like now, I think they're a team on the rise. They've got a good young quarterback, got a lot of other veterans that want to come in there. And the defense for the Jaguars has a lot of really good young pieces. I love C.J. Henderson. Josh Allen had a good start to his career. I think that if you can bring in a Trevor Lawrence or a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, this team is definitely set up for the future. And I'm glad you brought that up, Melo. Somebody asked me uh, this past weekend, like, you know, are you excited for football to come back? Are you excited for the Jets this year? And I was like, I want to be honest with you. I was like, and I, the reason I use the Jets is because I think this pertains to a lot of teams across the league right now, with the Jags being the closest one. I, I, I kind of want them to almost bottom out this year. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, like, do I want another seven-win season and Adam Gase year three and a draft pick that nets them outside the top ten? You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here and I'm going like, it, it, and we say this on the show every year, treading water is the worst thing you could do in the NFL. I want Jamar Chase. I want a new head coach for Sam Darnold. Like, these are the things that I think will make the Jets successful. For Jacksonville, I want if I'm a Jacksonville fan, I want to bottom out now. Like I want a really good draft pick. I want Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance playing in Jacksonville. Honestly, at this point, I think it's time for a new GM and head coach to be tied to the young quarterback that they take in next year's draft. How many guys are in the position that Dave Caldwell is in. None. Nobody ever gets to blow it up twice. You don't get to do that. <laughs> this might be the third either, time. <laughs> I was going to say, we're kind of on two and a half right now. Yeah. So when you look at this entire thing, I think it is time. I don't think Doug Marone is a bad football coach. I don't. I just don't know if he's a very good one 
at this stage anymore. And I think the whole Tom Coughlin experiment, I think it just all needs to be blown up. But my point is, you just you got to bottom out a lot. Unfortunately, until it works, <laughs> it's what you got to go right. through. We saw Miami do it. I think we saw the Raiders do it a little bit. Um, you know, and, and now we're probably going to see a couple of teams do it this year or at least hope to do it. Yeah. And I think for Jacksonville, uh, because we are still we're primarily a draft show and the timing works out. We're going to talk about Yannick Ngakwe Vikings fans a lot because we're previewing the NFC North today. So hang tight. We're going to talk about the Vikings side of this with now getting one of the best young pass rushers in the game. And, and we are going to get to those players who opted out because that's important, too. But guys, now we have Jacksonville with two first round picks and. Uh, and they, two second round and two picks. second round picks. That's right. Thanks to the Rams and the Vikings. So what is your dream draft scenario? I know, like you guys said, there are three franchise quarterbacks in this draft. I believe that as well. If I'm the Jags and like I kind of like Gardner Minshew, I'm not saying he's not a starter level quarterback, but like he's probably Andy Dalton. Like that's your best case scenario with Gardner Minshew is my man's Andy Dalton, which can probably get you to a playoff game, but can't win one. So for me, like, if you have the first pick, you draft Trevor Lawrence. And then that pick that you're getting from the Rams is probably going to be around, like, 14-15. And this is a team, guys, even though, like, even the players who are still there that you're like, gosh, I kind of like these guys. Like, Diddy Westbrook's going to be a free agent. Chris Conley's going to be a free agent. Keelan Cole's going to be a free agent. So even at the wide receiver position, yes, they have DJ Chark. Yes, they have LaVisca Chenault. But the rest of that core, they're free agents. And the corner position, they drafted C.J. Henderson last year. The rest of those corners are not good. So I look at receiver, corner, oh, and left tackle because Cam Robinson is also going to be a free agent and is not good. So you have three positions that really need an upgrade with a pretty good front seven on defense, honestly. I look at those spots as like your dream scenario is to get Trevor Lawrence and like a Sam Cosme or a Dylan Radins. Like if I could walk out of night one and I have a starting left tackle and my quarterback of the future obviously I'm feeling really damn good, but that's realistic for this team. Yeah. And that, I would say that's probably without trading anything is that yeah. uh, you're probably going to land that number one spot or number two spot uh, where you are in position to get Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Uh, that's great for you. And then on the flip to be able to get the number two tackle in this class or uh, another receiver to pair with them, or even, you know, some of the interior linemen. If you do end up having a later first-round pick, we all loved Wyatt Davis and Trey Smith. I, I think you could plug them in right at guard. That's really going to help a young quarterback out. And DJ Shark is a good young target, so you could almost wait until the second round uh, to target a receiver. So I, I think quarterback O-line or even trying to package those two second-round picks and a first if you need to move up, uh, just get crazy, get Sewell and one of the quarterbacks. For what they need, and it's funny, this is the first show I can remember that's like, besides the fixing segments, that is so Jacksonville heavy. But if you're not a Jacksonville fan, this is a good show uh, to blueprint what it's like rebuilding a roster. This draft class is almost perfect for what they need. Like, I don't think this draft is very heavy on edge talent from what I've seen. It's actually extremely disappointing, yeah. to be honest with you, unless a couple of guys break out this year, which can happen. They got good players on the edge, even after trading a Yannick Ngakwe. They have really good linebackers in the middle of the field. What they need is what you guys just said. They need probably a franchise quarterback. I don't want to completely write off Gardner Minshew, but I want to be realistic here and keep that option open. And I think it's safe to say they're doing the same thing. It's a good year to be picking in the top three 
and needing a franchise quarterback. The tackle depth in this class, I mean, you guys said it. It's really good. You guys, you have guys like Rashawn Slater there. Of course, Dylan Raddins. Uh, you know, there's Jalen Mayfield to right tackle, but we'll see if he could slide over to left tackle. After Penny Sewell, this tackle class is pretty deep, and the guard class looks really good as well. Those are things that Jacksonville can definitely use for that extra first-round pick. We know how deep this wide receiver class is to go find a guy that can play across from an already young, impressive player in DJ Chark. The the blueprint, now you got to make the right decisions, and you have to execute. But for Jacksonville, I don't think this rebuild needs to be nearly as long as the last one. I think you could be looking at a scenario where going into 2021, this team starts competing in their division again. Yep, if you get the quarterback right. That's it. And, and again, nothing against Gardner Minshew. Really liked him. But the difference between a number one pick quarterback prospect and Gardner Minshew is you have to do it. Like if you're picking number one again, I think maybe not. Maybe there's a scenario where you go Penny Sewell if Gardner Minshew's really good and not the reason that you're Trade bad. Trade for more picks. But yeah. great. I would think awesome. if they feel like Gardner Minshew can be the future, you would start building around that rookie contract right now instead of yeah, you know, trading for picks and cutting running backs that you really don't need to to cut so uh, I think that there is some feel probably even within house that Gardner Minshew is not the guy for the future there yeah man it's going to be wild to see what happens in Jacksonville uh guys before we take a break and get to some of the big opt-out players I do want to talk about some injuries that happened uh late last week Derwin James tragically hurt again uh, you hate to see it because when on the field, he's such a difference maker. It's just now it's starting to look like, gosh, is, are we ever going to get a full season out of Derwin James? And then Jalen Rieger, Eagles rookie wide receiver. Our guy Adam Lefko really betting on a, a Jalen Rieger big season. Uh, not only is Carson Wentz a little banged up, but now Jalen Rieger is as well. So there have been a lot of injuries. We, we just don't have time to talk about all of them. But these two notably stand out because, you know, I think we were all expecting that Chargers defense to kind of be what leads them this year. And now you're, I think, one of the guys who makes that whole thing work is injured again. And I think he's one of the best safeties in the NFL, if not the best safety. Uh, it's just you can't get a, a guy on the field. It really sucks to see a young safety have to go through all this. Hopefully when he comes back, uh, he can be healthy, but it sounds like he is going to miss a lot of time. Unfortunately, too, with Derwin James, I mean, this is the case of a player that was hurt in college that has got hurt a lot early in his NFL career. At some point, you have to be realistic, and it scares you, right? When you look at it, you're just sitting there going, well, unfortunately, there is a trend here. He did have significant injury in college. He now has had significant or consistent injury in the NFL. I do think when healthy, he's the best safety in football, uh, but I think you have to factor in the health question, and that's what keeps him out of that. So rooting for Derwin James, uh, I I'm really excited to watch this Chargers defense on the field this year, but I hate to sit here and tell you I'm just not in shock anymore, unfortunately. Yep. And and same with Jalen Rager, uh, small guy. I believe he had a foot issue in college. This is different. It's a shoulder injury, but those small-bodied players – at receiver, once they start getting banged up, you really start to worry. And that was my, I, I, we had a lot of friends who really, really liked Rieger. and was like, gosh, I'm just, I'm not really sold on this guy. Uh, the drops, you know, the route tree was kind of underdeveloped. And now with a, an injury on a small frame, again, it's a shoulder. So it's at least it's not, not lower body, but 
I just have a hard time getting excited about the Eagles this year. But now with Rieger out, like he was the one guy outside the tight ends where you were like, oh, okay, maybe they have something here. Yeah, and now he's going to miss significant time. I don't know if you guys saw the story on like how he got hurt, but it was making a tackle in practice. Why the hell do you have your receivers tackling? I don't like even if it's a scrimmage or anything like that. If you know you're that weak at that position, like I'm just not having my guys do that. That's no, wild. Ab- yeah, it's it's not good at all. And now you're getting kind of back to square one here where let's call it. I mean, the Eagles are very short at wide receiver where a guy like Greg Ward is probably going to be asked to make an impact early on. Not great. Not where you want to be with the with a quarterback like Carson Wentz. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. A lot more opt-out players to get to, and then our NFC North preview. Well, welcome back. It is time to talk about opt-outs. This is where I thought the show would start today. Uh, Mello and I were even talking the other day. I was like, gosh, I don't know what we're talking about Monday. Thank you, football gods, giving us something to talk about. Uh, let's start here. Jamar Chase. The number one wide receiver in the class. We did our big board show last week. Jamar Chase, way up there for everybody, right? Just hands down, best receiver in the draft class. Jamar Chase, LSU, has decided to opt out. The number three overall player on my big board, 6'1", 208, 4'4", flat speed. And I, I've told this story on here multiple times. I shared it on Twitter as well. First time I really watched him play was when we were in Austin for the LSU-Texas game. I thought he was like 6'3", 220. He looks like Julio Jones. Had an amazing year last year. Easily the Blitnikoff Award winner. Now he decides he's going to opt out, start preparing for his pro career. And I think this has to be considered a surprise because I at least did not expect LSU to have, like we saw Kerry Vincent Jr. do it. It's like, all right, Kerry's probably like a, you know, round three pick. Jamar Chase, though, that is a superstar in the college football landscape. Yeah, and it was big news, and we were. We were sitting there talking like, oh, we didn't get that Friday news dump from the NFL. What are we going to talk about? Thank you, Jaguars. Uh, (laughs) But I think that this Jamar Chase opt-out is the smartest opt-out I've seen. Uh, There's no way in hell he should have played this year. You're breaking in a new quarterback, and even though I like Miles Brennan at LSU, I don't want to come into this season with a new quarterback. I don't want to come into this season without my guys like Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, this offensive line. You lose Joe Brady. Obviously, there's some stuff going on at LSU as well. No player on this LSU offense returning should probably play. And for Jamar Chase, what's he going to do to improve his stock? He would have to catch like 120 balls to have a better year. And he's not going to do that without Joe Brady, Joe Burrow in this offense. So I think it's a very wise decision on his part. Uh, they really, there, I don't think there's anything he could do to rise his stock. And he runs the risk of getting sick or getting hurt. Uh, it just makes too much sense for this guy to opt out. Exactly. I mean, he's in all of our top tens. I can't remember exactly where you guys had him. I had him number five overall. So this is a special player at wide receiver. I mean, you're coming off a year where you caught 84 passes for almost 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns. It's just, what do you have left to prove? And and Melo, you said something there that, to me, jumps out. You're taking the chance of getting sick. Now, I know he's a young, healthy guy, but why risk it? You won a national championship. You've won top awards. You're a first-round pick. And and I think the only thing, an interesting thing to me is, I think people's knock on him was maybe speed and I went back and watched his earlier games from last year because we got so fixated on the incredible late run 
He's got plenty of speed, guys. I mean, plenty of little slant routes over the middle, take the ball and go 50 yards for a touchdown. Just, just, I don't have any concerns with Jamar Chase. He's strong off the line of scrimmage. He's got strong hands. He plays big. Uh, he's good after the catch. He's tough. I just, I love this guy. And I don't know. It's going to be tough for me to move off him as wide receiver one. If anybody could do it, it'll be Jalen Waddell this year. But, man, I just, I don't know. I feel very good about Jamar Chase in almost every aspect of his game. And, and I do think this was a smart decision. And I do think you'll see him in the top 10 of every single mock draft we do. Oh, absolutely. Year. And I don't know about you guys. Um, I feel better about Jamar Chase than I did Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb. Like, And I said this probably a year ago about Judy. It's like, I can't imagine him moving off that spot as wide receiver one. For me, he didn't. Uh, we did see some challengers in there, thanks to you know CeeDee Lamb having a great year, and then the athleticism of Henry Ruggs. With Jamar Chase, I can't see anybody coming close to him as wide receiver one. And this is a good receiver class. Like, Jalen Waddle is a stud. Devonta Smith is a stud. Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore. Like We're seeing really good wide receivers in, the, in college football, but man, Jamar Chase is just special. Yeah, and I want to correct something before. Uh, it was Justin Jefferson had 111 catches last year, yeah. uh, but it was Jamar Chase who had 20 touchdowns. 20 touchdowns. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. In college. Right? <laughs> right? In 14 as games as a sophomore. In the SEC, had 20 touchdowns. 1,700 yards. Uh, a ridiculous season that this guy had. I mean, turn on the film. All the guys he's beating just got drafted on day two of the last year's draft. Like, there's nothing, you don't got to look very far to find them against NFL players on the big stage. And uh, go back to what you said, Matt, I, I mean, definitely like him a lot more than Ruggs, definitely like him more than Judy. I think, you know, I, I'll have to really, I'll probably have him higher than I had C.D. Lamb. I think I had C.D. Lamb like sixth. It's, they are somewhat similar impact players at the wide receiver position in my eyes. And there are some similarities in their game. I mean, they both have the same kind of body type and frame. They both play bigger than that body type. They're very strong with the ball in their hands. Uh, they just make a difference for their quarterback. And and you know how much we love Joe Burrow. When you go back and watch Jamar Chase, you're going to see times where he's not open and Joe Burrow just says, I'm throwing him the ball. And guess what? He gets yeah. it. Yeah, that's how good he is. No, it's exciting for sure to have a player like that where we know that he's going to have a year where you don't have to worry about getting hurt. You know, you don't have to worry about getting sick. You just get to go train and work on your game and get better. And I'm excited for that because I am a huge Jamar Chase fan. Uh, two other opt-outs. Kenneth Gainwell running back from Memphis. I don't know how they continue to do it. They just find running backs. Uh, Gainwell has decided to enter. And I I'm a fan of his. I think he's one of my favorite, I guess, under-the-radar running backs uh, you know, he's not up there with the the Travis Etienne's and, you know, Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris in terms of star power. But this is a very good running back in an offense that is diverse. I mean, a lot is asked of him. And uh, I think if you have a complaint, it's that because of what was around him, we've only seen you know, one year of tape. But in that one year, guys, he rushed for almost 1,500 yards and caught 51 passes while scoring 15 touchdowns. And so at the running back position, you're 5'11", you're 190, and you can do those things. Uh, okay, you're going to play in the NFL. I think he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn, who went in the what third round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, but probably on that level of, of a prospect for me. I like that uh, about him, too. And he catches the ball so well out of the backfield. This is a pretty deep 
running back class. I think there are notably three guys who are really up there. I have Kenny Gainwell as running back number four for me. I like what he can do at Memphis. I love the way he catches the ball out of the backfield. I think that a team could maybe sneak into round two and try to pick him up or a round three, but those rounds two and three for a running back, those are guys that are going to contribute early in their careers. I think Kenny Gainwell can do it. He's undersized, but again, his ability to get small, move his hips, I think he can be really successful in the NFL and pair him with a bigger back if you need to. Uh, let this guy catch the ball out of the backfield. You're going to get yourself one hell of a running back. I mean, that production in his sophomore season is just phenomenal. It's impressive, like you said, that they just keep doing this. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's really ridiculous. feels like they have two NFL running backs on the roster per yep. year, and, and it feels like they all catch the ball. So uh, when you look at Gainwell, yeah, I, I would say he's right in that day two slot. We've seen productive pass-catching running backs kind of fall to round three over and over again. That's right where I have him right now. If I was projecting him in terms of rankings, I think he'll be higher than that. Uh, was very impressed with what I saw on film. I, I was, I was, you know, diving in a little bit more this weekend. Uh, they play him out in the slot. They obviously use him in the backfield on slip screens. It, he really, he runs hard. He's elusive. Uh, I like the frame. I like that compact kind of frame in today's game. I mean, we were just talking about a guy like Leonard Fournette, who's the opposite, very upright, tall runner. Those guys take way too many big shots down low. So, uh, a big fan of Kenneth Gainwell, and and I. As I sit here and say this, uh, I respect their decision and whatever they want to do. I am perplexed that Travis Etienne and Najee Harris are playing college football this season. Chuba Hubbard. Perplexed. Chuba's the one that gets me. Same. Like, you already hate your coach. Just leave. Yeah, and he's got more of a track body than... Well, no, Etienne is a little bit thinner too. Najee's a tank, right? And Najee, like, I get it. Like, you're in the SEC. We like they're playing, and you have a chance to win a national championship, right? That's uh, where I come in Chuba, with Chuba, and I think he just loves college. Yeah, yeah. Najee. With Chuba, I have no idea. Chuba, I don't get. Yeah, and Kylan Hill. There's another one that's just like, yeah, you, you really going to stick yes. around in that offense where they're going to throw the ball 60 times a game? We'll see what happens, though. I I wouldn't do it. But good for Kenny Gainwell. I think that's another guy where, with this situation, what what are you going to do at Memphis to improve your stock? Um, Probably a better idea to go start working out with these NFL guys so that you can get your name out there. I think that's another way to do it. When scouts go and they say, hey, who do you have at Exos? And they're like, oh, well, Kenny Gainwell's really tearing it up down here. That's going to be just as good for him as playing time at Memphis was. The NFL season starts in 10 days, so this obviously can't happen. But I'm going to daydream about like a supplemental draft where the Jets could be like, yeah, we'll give up a first. We want Jamar Chase right now. You know, like oh like just imagine if there was like an auction. It's fantasy yeah, football. Like, uh, <laughs> you know what? Like the Rams, we'll take Kenny Gainwell, you know, or the Niners, we'll take Kenny Gainwell. Like let's, the Niners let's plug him in. That's, he's perfect for that offense, you know? Um that would be fun. Like, the, the Jets would love to have Caleb Farley and Jamar Chase right now. Like, okay, we'll take those guys gladly. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we would. Man. It's funny you said you said the Rams there, Matt. Gainwell actually has a little bit of Cam Akers body yeah. type and running style. And the hands. Yep. Probably had a better offensive Very line similar. at Memphis, though. And I, I wonder yes, how big definitely. he can get during this time of working out, like, assuming that he goes and does that. He's listed at 190. He's built like Reggie Bush. It's light. Yeah, yeah he light. looks bigger than 190, though. He plays bigger than that. I bet he could get, like, 205. Yeah, but I Would mean, even great? guys that we saw this year, like, J.K. Dobbins was not as big as I thought he was. Like, that's another guy that just played really big. He was, like, what, 212? Uh-huh. I mean, he, that's not very big. 
Well, and Clyde the Glide, not very big. He's like 205. Oh, he's tiny. Yeah. So, okay, one more opt-out guy instead of us dreaming about things. Uh, Joe Tryon, leaving the University of Washington. Pac-12 not playing. Maybe. We'll see what happens there. But as of now, not playing. Uh, and I am a fan of him. You, we were just talking about body type. How about this guy? 6'5", 262. Last year, had 12 and a half tackles for a loss. Eight sacks in his sophomore season. Uh, but even going back to his freshman year, he was a very, very good player. Uh, as an edge, I think he, I mean, he could play 3 4 4 3 with that body type, with the length. It's all there. My biggest question for him, I have a, a late round two grade on him currently. My biggest question was that hip flexibility that to unlock, can he really turn the corner? And first step explosiveness was pretty good, but maybe I'm unfairly comparing everyone to like a Chase Young at this point when evaluating edge rushers. But I thought there were times he was a little stiff off the off the snap. So I would agree or, or a little slow gets up yep. a little bit high. I like him, though. I like the way that he plays in the Washington defense, too. Like he's already a stand up edge rusher. So I think that he can be effective with that at the next level. But I had the same questions. Uh, play strength is not a question. I, I think he can absolutely mull some of these offensive tackles. And this is a guy that we've been getting a lot of questions about, too. So interesting to see him opt out. But uh, really, I guess he, he didn't have to. He's just declaring for the draft. But a good player. And with this class, there's not a lot of depth, as Connor said, at the edge rush position. This could be a guy who I think we're talking about as the number two edge rusher in this class uh, when we come to the spring. Yeah, he's quietly a name in the top five edges in this class, or or at least hovering right mm -hmm. in there. And, and like you said, Mello, um, he's he could. It's a shame about this year because he could have climbed to number two, number three. Really good year last year with the eight sacks. A very young player. This is not a guy that hey, it was my senior year. Sucks that football is over. Time to get ready. It was a, you know I'm I have eligibility left for a couple of years here and I got to make a decision, but obviously there was an agent out there that wanted to sign him now so he can get the training and all of those things that he needs and get ready. He is somebody, guys, that, yeah, I'm, I'm with what you just said. When it comes to combine time, it feels like somebody that people are going to open their eyes and go, whoa, uh, that's a big dude on the outside that has strong hands that, that can set the edge uh, that we would like in our defense. So it's a shame because I think the best college football of his career was ahead of him this year and he loses that yeah that edge group is interesting because there's like Russo's kind of at the top and then you have like Carlos Basham from Wake Forest uh, Joseph Adai from Texas uh, Quiddy Pay at Michigan uh, Connor's guy Chris Rumpf at Duke Shaka Tony from Penn State who's so fast uh, Patrick Jones from Pitt and then Joe Tryon like those are that's actually a uh, sneak peek those are my edge rankings star studded. no it's names. like a lot of second round <laughs> picks you know, with yeah. question marks, you know, like with uh, like with Rump, it's I've heard he's at 245. That would be awesome for him uh, with Shaka Tony. It's like, can you do it without all that talent around you? You know, there, no Micah Parsons this year, uh, not going to have, you know, help on, on the opposite edge like he did last year. So there are a lot of questions about this edge group. And for, you know, people like Shaka Tony, Quiddy Pay uh, and Joe Tryon, we're not going to see them play college football this year. So, all right, let's take a break. We come back, NFC North breakdowns. It is time to pick and predict the NFC North season for 2020. And uh, this is a tough one, guys, because we are seeing last year uh, the Green Bay Packers, I think, shocked us all going 13-3, and three, making a run to the NFC Championship game where they got smacked in the mouth by someone's 49ers. Uh, but this is still, I mean, it's a good football team. You still have Aaron Rodgers, right? They Pretty good. You still have Aaron Jones. 
pretty good. And on defense, you have one of the best pass rushing duos with the Smith brothers and a pretty good ascending secondary. But the schedule is tough. The division has gotten better. And when you have a draft that is a quarterback of the future, a power running back, and basically an H-back are your top three picks, we have to question the offensive harmony of a freelancer like Aaron Rodgers with a kind of a strict dictator and Matt LaFleur calling the plays. I wonder how well they're going to continue to work together. But the talent on this team is still very good. I have them at 10 and 6 making the playoffs, and my breakout player, uh, I had to cheat a little bit, but I'm going to say Jair Alexander, and I know people are going to be like, you're dumb, he's already broken out. I agree, but I think we see him take that Tredavious White jump where at the end of the season, we're talking about Jair Alexander as one of the five or six best corners in football, which there might be people who think that now, but I don't believe that it's, I don't think he's a household name, and he could be at the end of this year. And fellas, for me, I'm not loving what I see in Green Bay. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers still got a lot left in the tank. I think he's going to be great as a 49er next year. Yes. I really, I'm expecting the shit to hit the fan in Green Bay this year. I don't know that Rodgers and LaFleur are going to be getting along enough. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Jordan Love getting some reps at the end of the season uh, because things went sour there. This is a team that went 13-3 and three last year. I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't love the roster. I don't love what they did. And I really like what teams like the Minnesota Vikings did. They do have a very bright secondary, though, and I'm going to kind of steal a player, too. I think Darnell Savage in year two can be a really good athletic safety. You've got some strong corners uh, that are going to help him roam and make some more plays. I love Savage. Uh, I like a lot of the Packers guys. I think they should have taken another receiver. Uh, but I think that they're going to struggle this year. I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. It's no secret. We were not a fan of this draft, but this is a really good football team. And I don't think they'll be able to repeat necessarily what they did last year in the wins column, but they might be just as good easily. It's just a scheduling thing, a couple bad breaks. I have them at 11-5. and five. I still think they're the best team in this division. I think they have the best pass rush duo in football with Mr. and Mr. Smith over there. Those guys are just a wrecking crew. Obviously, you know, they've become a very run-heavy team or are looking to become a very run-heavy team. I don't think the, you know, the torch is just going to be passed to A.J. Dillon this year. I think Aaron Jones is going to be, you know, maybe the touchdown total regresses a little bit, but he'll be just as an effective player once again. Uh, Devontae Adams quietly might be the best receiver in football this year with the amount of targets he's going to be getting. I think Michael Thomas's targets are going to scale back a little bit where you might see Adams potentially post the highest receiving totals in the NFL this year. I like this team a lot, but across from him is my breakout player, and that's Alan Lazard, somebody that Aaron Rodgers showed some faith in down the stretch. They somehow did not draft a wide receiver, uh, so that's only good news for Mr. Alan Lazard. Uh, I like Green Bay. I think they win the division at an 11-5 and record. Yeah, man. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, I, one more thing that I did want to mention I forgot is this schedule absolutely sucks for them. They have to it's go awful. to awful. New Orleans. They have to go to Tampa Bay and to San Francisco. You get those three teams on the road. Those are probably the three best teams in the NFC, and you have to play them on the road. That's mm -hmm. going to be very hard. You have the Texans. You have to play them on the road. You have the Titans late in the season. 
uh, where they're probably just going to give Derrick Henry the ball 40 times. They're going to be tough to beat. <laughs> That's why I'm kind of at eight and eight. And this division, I think they're still going to split some win losses uh, with the Bears and the Vikings, and they'll probably get two wins over the Lions. I just have a hard time betting against Aaron Rodgers. It's like my Russell Wilson take. Like, I just, it's so hard to bet against him uh, if he's healthy, or I guess if he's the quarterback. That's the other thing. Okay, how about a team that has now added Yannick Ngakwe, which I promised people we were going to talk about. This pass rush duo in Minnesota is frightening. And I know we just talked about Preston and Darius Smith, but you have Daniil Hunter and Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edges in Mike Zimmer's defense. Like, this isn't, like, just some guy's defense. This is Mike freaking Zimmer, who's one of the best defensive coaches in football, and now you have these two just horses to pin their ears back. A lot of people are going to say, yeah, but what about the secondary? That is a fair question. I'm worried about the secondary a little bit as well. But they add Jeff Gladney. They add Cameron Dantzler. And I think they like the upside of a Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd. They got a couple of Texas boys in there. And two excellent safeties. You cannot forget about that. Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. This is a very, very good defense, top to bottom. By the way, you still have Eric Kendricks and Anthony Bard. Not just trying to read you their depth chart, but it's very, very good. Now, the flip side of that is, can the offense get it done? We saw their offensive line improve greatly last year with a guy like Brian O'Neill being their breakout player. If Dalvin Cook can stay healthy in this scheme, with Gary Kubiak calling the plays, you should be very, very good. You add Justin Jefferson to cover up uh, the losses to Fon Diggs. Guys, I, I love this team. Like, I'm very big on them. I would not be shocked if they make that NFC Championship run this year. I have them at 11-5, and five, winning that division. And my breakout player is Alexander Madison. Just in case we see Dalvin Cook not be able to stay on the field, I think we saw glimpses of it last year when Madison was asked to come in for Dalvin Cook, even in, you know, smaller uh, playing time, he had almost 500 yards rushing. And if he's asked to do more this year, I think we could see him break out. Yeah, I really like this team. I have them winning this division. Uh, I think Adam Thielen can have another really big year. Kirk Cousins, I know he's been like a, a kind of a joke over the last couple of years about how does this guy keep getting paid. He keeps playing pretty damn well, and they keep winning. I think Dalvin Cook being back on this team is going to be uh, obviously great for them. But I have my breakout player as being Irv Smith Jr. I, I think those targets have to go to somebody. And when you lose Stephon Diggs, uh, and I've seen reports that maybe Justin Jefferson is taking a little while to get used to this offense, those targets have to go somewhere. And I think it could be the big tight end who I really liked. I, I think he's an athletic guy who can catch the ball very well. Uh, almost like a slot receiver. You know they're going to play tight end, two tight end sets. I think that he can be exceptional this year. I have him winning the division. I have him going 10-6. and six. Uh, The NFL didn't do any favors when they made the schedule for the NFC North because these guys also have to go to New Orleans and to Tampa Bay. Uh, so those are going to be tough, and they get at Seattle. So a lot of tough road games, but I think Minnesota can pull out the wins. I really like what they have. And then adding that pass rush like I don't know if there are two better defensive ends in the NFL than these guys what a late summer boost huh for Minnesota I think a lot of the conversation around them this offseason was man you lose the production and consistent presence on the edge that was Everson Griffin we know how good Daniil Hunter is we talk about him on this show and he's still like 17 years old I don't know how he just <laughs> never ever gets older it's crazy but when you look at this team uh getting a Yannick Ngakwe now it enhances what they're great at, that front seven, getting after the quarterback from the edge. Now, the offense, you lose Stephon Diggs. You have questions 
uh, obviously on the offensive line, and you hope Dalvin Cook could stay healthy amongst some concerns about his contract. There are question marks on this offense. There really, really are. Adam Thielen is a guy that's been banged up recently, so you can get thin at wide receiver real quick, which is why my breakout guy in this offense is actually B.C. Johnson. Ola B.C. Johnson, very athletic wide receiver, getting a lot of work in that number two spot. Him and Justin Jefferson are kind of splitting the reps there. Uh, he's somebody that was, I believe, a seventh-round pick just uh, two, one or two years ago and has really stuck with this team, stuck with this offense, and I think can have a really, really nice season for them. I have them at 9-7. and seven. I- I'm going to echo what you said, Mello. This is, once again, not an easy schedule for yet another NFC North team, but it's a talented team, talented enough that they can overcome the schedule uh, to be a competitive, winning football team. I just don't think they've caught up to Green Bay just yet, and whenever you have some offensive line questions like they do with a pocket passer like Kirk Cousins, I think that's going to cost you a couple games each year. Yeah, the the top two teams in this division. It, it feels good. like there's a dividing line between them and the next group. I'm curious to see how much Yannick Ngakwe adds. Like, how many wins is Yannick Ngakwe worth? Is it enough to offset the losses to Fon Diggs? And, and Justin Jefferson, really good player. We all liked him a lot. But anytime, you know, like with my Niners-Colts thing, anytime you're replacing a star with a rookie, it's not fair to expect him to just come right back in and be... That guy, which is why I actually like your your breakout players there, gentlemen. Okay, on to the Chicago Bears. They will not announce a starting quarterback before week one. And with no preseason games, we can't even get a read on who that will be. And the media is embargoed from tweeting or reporting who is taking first Can team snaps. Can we talk snaps. about that? Yeah. It's going across the NFL, I don't know. I just, so I, I get it. I understand I get it, it, but I think it's dumb. I agree. Like Jerry Jones, you know, and, and the Cowboys being like, no numbers or names on jerseys. Like, you're, well, <laughs> you're telling me I can't figure out who Zeke Elliott is. He's the guy with the cutoff and the abs. Like, I know who he is. The huge beard. It feels like the WWE. Like, are we week one going to be like, oh, my God, it's Nick Foles. What are we going to do? Right. Like, I just – it's just so ridiculous. Like, you're not – you're not. I don't know. I just feel like you're not going to shock anyone. I get why they do it. I just think it's becoming. It's reaching levels where it's being blown out of proportion. Like I do feel like NFL coaches have a very, very, very hard job. Obviously, but the shit they worry about that's They're just so not paranoid. for Horton. one week. Like yeah, after the start of that game, you know who the starter is going to be, and it's okay. And let's go like, with that. Let's do everything we can to find an edge. I just don't think that's it. And I. Is Mitch Trubisky versus Nick Foles that much of a difference where you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> better watch out. It's actually Mitch in there at quarterback. Yeah, I don't think so. Change the game plan. Yeah, so I hate that. But anyway, the Bears are not going to announce the starting quarterback. Uh, this is It does remind me of last year where they were like, starters aren't playing in the preseason. We're coming in fresh. And then they like limped out of the gate. And it's like, oh, uh, pressure ended on that, Matt Nagy. Uh, but they have, they have big question marks. All along the offense, this is the Allen Robinson show, basically, and we're hoping some young guys break out. Major questions on the offensive line, huge, gigantic questions at the quarterback position. They're breaking in a new offensive coordinator uh, after firing uh, the dude from Oregon whose name I just forgot. It's going to be interesting in Chicago. Nonetheless, I don't really like this team, but I understand the defensive healthy is good enough to win some ballgames. I have them at 7-9. and nine. Uh, my breakout player is Anthony Miller. Year two for that wide receiver. Someone other than Allen Robinson has to catch the football, you would think. And Miller, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he has that. I mean, he's he's a good fit for this offense, whether that's in the slot 
on the outside, whether we see it in the return game, Miller has juice. It's just finding someone who can consistently get him the ball. My hope is that year two, he finds that and breaks out. I'm going to clip that out to where it makes it sound like we're talking about one of us. Yeah, but right. I like your breakout player there. Uh, for me, I don't see it with Chicago. I think... Uh, whichever quarterback is in there is probably going to struggle. This offensive line is really bad. The defense, I think, is going to regress a little bit. Uh, you're missing some key pieces there. Uh, and the secondary is still looking pretty weak. My breakout player, though, is the guy that I was waiting for all year last year. That's David Montgomery. Now, I don't think this offensive line has done him any favors, but I really loved him coming out of Iowa State. I think he can be a complete back, maybe catching up to the speed of the NFL, being comfortable in the offense is going to help him out in year two. Uh, but I, I don't have high hopes for this team I have them finishing at five and eleven yeah same here Mello I have them at five and eleven as well questions at quarterback questions on the offensive line you know love Allen Robinson but questions at wide receiver after him I don't really understand the allocation and free agency giving money to Jimmy Graham I know everyone's saying he's having a great camp maybe he'll bounce back you know you drafted Cole Komet who I do like I think that will help I hope the offense can turn around. I hope when David Montgomery comes back healthy uh, that he could be the guy we all thought he would be. I do like the defense, or at least the front seven of this defense, With starting with Roquan Smith as my breakout player. I think he's been okay the first two years. I think he got better in year number two. I think he can really break out to be one of the better linebackers in football, or at least in the NFC, this year in year number three. So with the Bears... Uh, they are the classic case of the theme of this show, of what it started with, of treading water. I think the coach is mediocre. I think the quarterback situation is very bad. I don't understand the Nick Foles move, especially if you're not really clearly ready to move on from Mitch Trubisky. 5-11 and 11 this year could net you a pick where you're outside of the top three quarterback range. And I would not say this team has had an overwhelming amount of draft capital lately where you trust them to make a move back up to go get a guy. So uh, I'm sorry, Bears fans. I don't think this is a really bad team because I think the defense keeps them competitive. But this is not the division you want to be in. And the style of football they play makes it very, very hard to have a winning record in this modern NFL. Yeah, and I liked their draft. I do want to say that. Like, I liked Cole Komet. I liked Jalen Johnson. Yes, those are good picks, but they didn't have enough picks. Right, they didn't have enough. You know, they're still kind of handcuffed by the Khalil Mack trade. So next year, we do get to see them have a first rounder. They're projected right now, like I use Super Bowl odds and flip it. They're projected to pick 13th. So you're not getting Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence at 13. And they just don't have the capital to trade up. So they're hoping and praying that Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky can be the guy. All right, last team, the Detroit Lions. They finished fourth last year. That's where I have them finishing this year. This is a confusing team because when you look at the roster, it's like, gosh, I kind of like these guys. Like, this is not that bad of a team. And adding a DeAndre Swift, I think that's going to be huge for the offense. We'll see year two with TJ Hawkinson, if he can break out. And then in the first round, to just take the smart pick, be like, we're going to draft Jeff Akuda, who's one of the best corner prospects I've ever seen. They've done a good job of building this team. They just can't stay healthy, number one. And they cannot get consistency. Hopefully adding Jamie Collins gives the defense a little bit of a boost, but Gentlemen, I'm not a believer in Matt Patricia. I am definitely not a believer in Daryl Bevel. It's hard to pick for this team, even when you like some of the, the roster. I have them at 6-10. and 10. I think we're probably going to see a regime change after this year. My breakout player, 
is Justin Coleman. And good Lord, was it hard to pick a breakout player after you guys got yours in because there's just there's not a lot to pick from. But I do like Justin Coleman, especially in the slot. I think he's an underrated player there who, uh, I mean, he's not that far off from a, a Chris Harris Jr., in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I like a lot of the pieces that you mentioned. Uh, obviously, the guys like Swift and Hawkinson. And I just I wonder if we get a healthy Matt Stafford this year. And I really hope so, but I worry about him coming off of that injury and what he can be. Because uh, if you don't have Matt Stafford on this team, you're going to struggle to win a single game. But if he plays all 16 games, I think you could be looking at like an 8-8 eight eight record. It's just this is a tough division, uh, another tough schedule. I'm predicting them right in the middle of that. I think they go 4-12. and 12. Uh, Hopefully Stafford plays the whole season. I think if he does, he's probably going to target TJ Hawkinson a lot. Now, one of the best tight end prospects I've scouted, the do-it-all guy. Uh, I'm not a believer in Matt Patricia either, and I agree. I think that after this season, they're probably looking for a new head coach. I'm with you. I do think – I'm actually surprised it wasn't this offseason that they were looking for a new head coach over there there are players I'm excited to watch in this offense I think Matt Stafford is an underrated quarterback in the NFL unfortunately we just haven't seen him healthy lately I love DeAndre Swift he was the best running back in last year's class and I think he's going to show a lot of people that this year that's why he's my breakout player for this football team obviously somebody like Galladay is an impact player at wide receiver they have talent on offense it just they've just kind of been a mess from the coaching standpoint of it They've lost a lot of pieces on defense. I do have a fear this is a team that will get thrown on a lot in a in a league where passing is just completely taking over. It's lopsided in this league, and that's a fear for me with the Lions. I have them going 4-12. and 12. As I say that, that, that might seem low, but you got to pick teams to lose and win games in these previews and have it balance out. And somebody's got to be the loser. And every year we do this, when you look at the teams and have them go, hey, 5-11, and 4-12, and 3-13, and 13, you sit there, well, how could that happen? Well, things go wrong a lot. And on paper, it's not looking great. Schedules, not looking great. But most importantly, my biggest fear with the Lions is I just think they're outcoached way too often in the Matt Patricia era. All right, there it is. Let us know, uh, like it or don't like it. You can tweet us at Stick to Football, or as always, leave that glowing Apple Podcast review. We appreciate them all. Let's take a break. We come back. It's draft on draft time. It is draft on draft time, and we're going to get right into it. Garrett Greenley wants to know how long do you think it takes players on NFL teams to realize they drafted a huge bust? And I'll tell you, uh, this can happen immediately, Garrett. Uh, I mean, we've heard about it. Um, I hate to like throw a player's name out there, but I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, Russell from Notre Dame, the Chiefs drafted. Kavari Russell, that was his first name. Uh, third round pick shows up. Like within two or three days of camp, I had players texting me, DMing me, being like, I thought this guy was good. Like what happened? Like he is trash. On the other side of it, I mean, more recently, you have uh, the New York Jets with J.K. Polite. And like he's not showing up to meetings. He's late for things. I think you know right away, like, okay, this guy just doesn't get it. He was cut basically immediately and, and fined a ton of money. So I do think players probably realize it before anyone else because they're spending, they're in the locker room, they're in the training facility, they're on the practice field, like they're out there living with that player. So I think your fellow players know sometimes before your, your GM and your coach want to accept it. Yeah, and it, even if it's after that, uh, I think after your first year, you've got a pretty damn good idea of who that player is. Even if it's not, ooh, this guy's going to be a huge bust, you're like, ooh, 
he's not living up to his potential. We expected a lot more out of this first or second or maybe even third round pick. Uh, but I think it's very soon. Uh, I don't think that it takes three years in the NFL to realize, hey, this guy can play or not. Even when you look at the quarterback position, uh, I think that's the one where you probably have the most patience with uh, because head coach and offensive coordinator can mean so much to that position. But I, I really think that after the first year, you have a great idea of who that guy is. I think so. And, and players will tell you. They'll be like, hey, I saw nothing from that guy in camp that, that would make him special that we heard after we drafted him so often. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to name players that I've heard it for, but it, it does happen quite quickly, quicker than you. And I remember I had one conversation. It was actually at the senior bowl uh, with a former GM and it was over breakfast. And, and he was like, man, he goes for us. It's even scarier. He goes, there were guys I drafted in the second round that I knew in rookie minicamp or OTAs with the veterans that I, I, we'd made a mistake. It was, they, they were not ready for the NFL and it did not look like something uh, that they could turn around. And a lot of that is because of the mental standpoint Physically, players change, right? Like guys are getting drafted in the NFL at 20 years old. Their their bodies and strength and all of those things, it's going to change over time. Mentally is the one that gives you the biggest concern. And you brought up a good example, Matt. I mean, I remember Ja'Kai Polite last year. I, I was talking to um, somebody in the Jets front office about maybe a week into camp, two weeks into camp. And I said, how's Polite looking? Like flashes, but all of the things that we had heard about to worry about are starting to leak out. And I said, it's been, you've been in camp for 10 days. Like what could you, what could possibly be happening? <laughs> and then by the time he was cut, it was that he was not showing up for meetings, all the, and it's like, so that's how fast it can happen. Yeah. What's crazy with the jets is like, uh, P Ryan's having a pretty good camp and it's like, they, and then he gets they, hurt. <laughs> they try yeah. with those Florida guys so hard. <laughs> like, it's like, Zuniga yeah. hasn't even practiced right, yet. That's right. I don't understand. The, they're obsessed with the Florida players. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, uh, like, I just put it together. I didn't even realize that they had taken so many chances on these Florida guys. I just kind of thought of it as we yeah. were talking about polite. Because it was like, oh, wait, they have P. Ryan, uh -huh. Brian Poole, Marcus May. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot. Oh, it's and they, they traded for uh, Quincy. Oh, that's right. So now he's going to start. A, I mean, he's had a good yeah. camp, fortunately. That was my guy. But, I mean, it, the Jets are like. Florida North. Yeah, it's like it's worked. It's worked it's out so opposite. well. Most people from New York go to Florida, you know, and now it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah. Florida's no. going north. There's a pipeline uh, there. Oh, hey, this is off topic, Connor, but I, I really don't care. Are you going to move into the city now that everyone's moving out of the city? <laughs> I am not. I'm going to stay right where I am in Hoboken. It just seems like um, which is the exodus the is thing happening, not to you know? do it, it. So that's a little bit media narrative. Not surprised. Um, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I'm not gonna say the the two words. Uh, you know, something news. Yeah. But um, no, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think where it's interesting is everybody. There is this exodus to go buy a house now, um, with the market. But the world is going to come back, and I am going to have to be able to commute back into Manhattan. So I'm gonna stay right where I am in Hoboken. It's been very quiet. But there is signs of life. They close the streets here on the weekend so everybody could have outdoor dining and drinking, if that's your thing, with TVs on the sidewalks and all that fun stuff. Uh, so I I'm just going to stay put right Connor, here. why don't you just give us your address right here on the show so <laughs> everybody can really yeah, so everybody can yeah, come visit hone in me. on where you're living, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I absolutely love it. Yeah, thank God there's like 9 trillion people in the 20 square feet of Hoboken <laughs> where uh, you, 
you know, you can't always find me. I will say I had a funny moment, and this isn't like a people know me moment, but like I do a lot of jet stuff around here. So, and I think I had a stick to football hat on. I was walking down the sidewalk like a weekend ago with a giant dish of ice cream. <laughs> I went to Cold Stone, and this table of like three younger guys were just staring at me and I didn't know if it was because I looked like a child with this giant dish of ice cream spilling everywhere or if they saw the stick to football hat but I just like giddy up back to my apartment and I was like oh my god that's so embarrassing it was fun though. I love it I love it. <laughs> Connor with some ice cream maybe he did secretly get chubby over the break we just don't know it you haven't seen me you wouldn't know <laughs> I could be 300 pounds uh, all right Ed Lopez wants to know if you have a need at both corner and wide receiver and you can get either Derek Stingley Jr. or Jamar Chase who are you taking uh, Stingley uh, not draft eligible yet so we have to wait until 2022 for him at the earliest uh, I would take Stingley Jr. and I'm a big Jamar Chase fan but I, I do think and and you guys if you listen to the show for, for a long time know every year we're so excited about the receivers can't say that about the corners. So I think corners like Stingley are harder to find than a receiver like Jamar Chase. Oh, exact same thing that I was going to say. And I think that when we talk about Jamar Chase, it's like, oh, he would have been wide receiver one in last year's class. I think Derek Stingley Jr. would have been cornerback one as a freshman in last year's class. Uh, he had an exceptional season. And I think that he's a guy that can duplicate it again this year. And to piggyback off of what you said, Matt, we can find receivers late and you can find a lot of them last year we were talking about potentially like eight guys in the first round this year we could be seeing the same kind of numbers uh you don't see that with corners uh if you can get your hands on a shutdown corner you better hold on to him i can find a guy that can catch 80 balls in the nfl finding a true shutdown corner in the nfl just doesn't happen very often and i'm gonna surprisingly disagree with you guys i think you can find a lot of good starting wide receivers in the nfl I'm at the point where I'm not convinced you could find a Jamar Chase very often anymore. I think this guy is special. I think Stingley had a good freshman year. I'm curious to see where it goes. I, I hope he doesn't get the the Grant Delpit itis and and you know come back down to earth. But um, I look at Jamar Chase and and I'm I'm ready to die on the sword for this guy. I really am. I think he's he's a top five player in this class. I think if you're into dynasty drafts, he's he's the name you're going to hear nonstop uh, over the course of the next year. And if I was doing a, a Matt Miller special where I have to like predict the top 30 wide receivers <laughs> in the year 2025 article, probably the hardest thing I could ever imagine to write. And I thank God that I'm not in your shoes during those times, Matt. Uh, I would have Jamar Chase as a, a top eight wide receiver by year two of his NFL. Those career. articles exist just so Bleacher Report. People like so cold takes can happen so mad yes. at you <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like wow thanks guys i have 10 years from now who could be the best like i don't know my Just son put like, julio jones up there still right. like, that's gonna be the right answer probably so goodness uh tyler warden wants to know who would you rather have as a quarterback for your franchise today taking into consideration contract slash everything russell wilson or kyler murray and the contract is huge because you still have four more years presumably of you know roster control with uh, Kyler Murray where he's not so expensive I'm still taking Russell Wilson though this guy has never had a losing season in the NFL he is expensive but he's not that expensive now that we're seeing what people like Patrick Mahomes are ma is making and I, I think with the new hopefully TV deals the salary cap is going to see a gigantic jump in a couple of years to where even though Russell Wilson uh, is getting a little bit older he's still I think he's the second best quarterback in football or, or third, second or third. He's still just amazing. Yeah. And with him being 31, 
He seems like he's pre- in pretty good shape. I, I think that I, I heard something one time about bubbles Nanobubbles. that he's doing. Uh, I'm going to take Russell Wilson, but I, it's close. Like I've considered, I've kind of went back and forth between him and Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is so cheap right now. And we talk about on this podcast all the time of if you can get a good rookie quarterback, you definitely build around them because that's probably your Super Bowl window. Like It's probably never going to be higher. But Russell Wilson... The worst record he's ever had in the NFL is nine and seven. I'll take that every day. So I'm going to go with Russell Wilson, despite the huge contract, despite being a lot older. I would go with Russ as well. And I think I think our audience will be shocked. And Tyler as well, who asked this question to hear all three of us say that because Russ is 31. Uh, you know, everybody's so obsessed with age. I like Kyler Murray. I, I thought he was one of the top players in that class. I've I have not seen anything yet that tells me he'll be even 75% of the player that Russell Wilson is. And that's a compliment to Russ, not a diss to Murray. Russell Wilson is the closest thing in terms of what he does for his team to Pat Mahomes in the league. That's how good he is. And if you can't, this is right, this is starting your franchise with a quarterback. Let's assume Russ has six more elite years left in the tank because he's 31 right now, maybe five more. If you can't build a Super Bowl roster around that guy uh, in, in that five-year span, then then what are you doing? So it, it's Russ for me. And one more funny thing I have to do when, when they ask this question, I wanted to uh, Google them both for their age. When I Google Kyler Murray, it comes up that he's 5'10", 256 pounds. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why that is. I just picture Kyler Murray weighing 256, and I almost burst out laughing while you were reading the question. I, I love what that people could edit oh, Wikipedia. Oh, it's amazing. It really, yeah, it's something Oh, uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, well, he also went to Cold Stone. Uh, <laughs> if he's in, <laughs> yeah, a couple times. That's amazing. Uh, Antonio asked, do you guys think – a guy like Tariq Black or Jamie Newman could develop more now in another college. Tariq Black going to Texas, Jamie Newman going to Georgia. Um, Jamie Newman has to win that job first. We've talked about it before. JT Daniels has a very uh, good chance to take that job. I, I think a lot of people feel like he's a better fit for that offense that they're running there. Tariq Black at Texas, uh, I don't know how much developing a guy can do in a year. Now, the production could be better. I think you could see... That where, okay, now you're in an offense where you might be more productive, more prolific. That's going to help your stock. I say this as a Texas fan and with many friends on that staff. They're not exactly known for their trait development right now. Like That's an area where you see them getting great at recruiting, strength and conditioning, really good. We're not seeing players necessarily take that huge leap like you might see. Like Jalen Hurts can play running back at Alabama and go to Oklahoma and throw 50 touchdowns. Like Lincoln Riley is developing players offensively, and that's not a knock on Tom Herman. I just think they haven't found whatever it is that they they need there, and they've replaced a lot of their coordinators and assistants, so maybe that helps. I like Tariq Black. I think he'll be good for that system, but I don't see this making either guy, you know, like a a first-round pick or even a second-round pick. Mac Brown built that program on recruiting, not player development. So I think it's a good sign for us Texas fans. Uh, but if you're a non-quarterback, I say, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for you to go develop under another coach. I think you can pick up a lot of what people are doing pretty quickly. But for a quarterback, and I know that Jamie Newman transferred uh, at a weird time, 
I, I'm not in love with any transfer quarterbacks. Going and trying to learn a system in one year and then put it together, and when you add in COVID in this offseason, I think it'll be really difficult for these guys. And I don't think it's just going to be, oh, my God, Jamie Newman is so much better than Jake Fromm. I think it's probably going to be a very similar offense where they didn't get a lot of time on the field to put in their new offense. So it's still going to be a lot of turnaround and hand the ball off and play action to George Pickens if he's out there. So uh, non-quarterbacks, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. But for quarterbacks, no, I think just writing it out and being the guy, unless you're in a, a situation where you can transfer to Oklahoma, then that's totally different. And for Tariq Black, I'm excited that Antonio put him in this question because we don't get to talk about him a lot, even though he did transfer to Texas. I mean, he's kind of on the Donovan Peoples-Jones track right now. Super recruit, you know, banged up, and, and production hasn't been there. So I like this opportunity for a change of scenery for him uh, with what I would call a veteran college quarterback at this point in Sam he's Ellinger. He's been there for like 12 years. And I think t it feels like it, man. It really does. And, and for Tariq Black, I think this is a good opportunity uh, you know, not just for him, but also for Texas, because this is somebody that every time he did get on the field back from injury, I'd have my eyes on with huge expectations and we just haven't seen it pan out yet. Hopefully it does uh, in Austin and really a smart transfer for him. He probably had no way of knowing, I but agree. Michigan's not playing this year. Texas is. He needed this year of college football. Uh, two more questions. Here's another fun one. Matt Columbia wants to know. If Ian Book dominates in the ACC, do you think he shoots up big boards? Do you think Notre Dame will finally get to the respect they deserve? Now, Maddie, I love you, buddy, but Notre Dame gets plenty of respect, right? Uh, and I was a little late coming around on Brian Kelly, but I feel like now we can look at Notre Dame's roster and be like, oh, yeah, but Brian Kelly, give them two or three more wins than you think. Like, oh, they're going to win seven games last year. No, nah, they're going to win 10. Like, they're consistently good under Brian Kelly. Now, for Ian Book, um, I, I like the way that he plays. I really do. I don't know that we could see him get a huge jump by dominating the ACC versus what they played as an independent. Like their schedule as an independent was already pretty strong. I mean, you're getting a USC, you're getting Clemson in there, you're getting Stanford. So could it help? Yeah, I'm not expecting it to have a huge impact on him. One thing with Ian Book and with a lot of the quarterbacks not named Lawrence Fields and Lance this year is like they're small guys. Six foot, 205 pounds. I mean, we're seeing that with Brock Purdy, Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle, Ian Book. I mean, these are, this is not a, a group of these, what you would call, quote unquote, prototypical quarterbacks. Even Tanner Morgan, 6'2", 215. So I, I think that's where the question is going to be more about the traits with Ian Book and less about the play. Like, he's a gamer. Kid, kid gets it done. But I, I think it's going to be more about, you know, arm strength, anticipation, those two things. Yeah, and I think as far as the schedule goes, I know a lot of people like to hate on Notre Dame and their schedule of, oh, you're not in a conference, you play these weak guys. But they're already scheduled to play like five or six games in the ACC every year anyway. And then they'll throw in, you know, like you said, Matt, like a Michigan or a Stanford here and there. So I think their schedule is just fine. And I don't know that there's anybody in the NFL who's like, oh, Notre Dame plays a weak schedule. Like they're Notre Dame. They've made it to the college football playoff a couple times. Uh, they ran into uh, they're going to play Clemson this year. Like there's some good teams on that schedule. As far as Ian Book goes, uh, obviously if you play well, your stock's going to go up. But I don't know that there's anything that he could do to be uh, like considered in the first round. Like maybe at best be the fourth quarterback in this draft class, but that's still uh, I don't think it would be enough for him to get into the first round. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I like. The, the ball he throws and he's accurate with touch. You know, Matt alluded that 
We have some arm strength questions and just overall physical ability for Ian Book. I think he's been, you know, a good leader and and brought some stability to the quarterback position for this Notre Dame team. And like you said, they they do play team. When you watch their prospects, you could find competition against Georgia, USC, Stanford, games like that. So they do have showcase games all the time. And I think for for Book, this is a big opportunity, right? Because I I have him coming into the year and I look at him as you know, maybe like an Anthony Gordon level player right now. And, and I think this is a year where you can make a really big jump. You could show growth. You, you know, you can put up really big numbers and play against good competition and and talk about yourself as maybe a day two quarterback if a lot of things go right. So I know I'm personally excited to watch him play, especially behind what is, is you know, once again, a very talented offensive line in college football. Yeah, yeah, I am as well it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what happens this year uh last question from dakota cox if you had to build a franchise around three players excluding quarterbacks who would they be Uh, dakota i don't know if you mean nfl players or college players maybe you guys just pick i was thinking nfl well if it's nfl uh i want aaron donald quentin nelson and uh christian mccaffrey okay so i was no quarterback. He said no quarterback. Oh, he said excluding. Yeah, excluding he said excluding. Quarter- I'm okay, going to cool. go Tredavious White at corner, Chase Young as an edge rusher, and then give me a receiver. I don't even <laughs> care. Julio Jones, I know he's old. I don't know. A young receiver, Cortland Sutton. I don't know. One of those young guys. I, I can find offensive line help somewhere else. I probably picked my three favorite players instead of three best, so I, maybe we should redo that. But Because I would want a left tackle, an edge rusher, and a corner, honestly. Like, I think that's where you have to be. Yeah. So, like, Ronnie Stanley, Nick Bosa, and, yeah, tr- probably Tredavious White. Yeah, that's tricky. Trey White, I mean, Trey in White's that conversation because yeah, of his exactly. age. I, th- I think that's a really important one. Wow. Yeah, I would I would probably go that route as well. I'd go with the corner, and it would be, it would be Trey White. I know Aaron Donald's. 29 which some people will call old for starting a franchise i think i would still take him as well and then and then i would look at the left tackles uh you know ronnie stanley tron armstead i might even look at a player like a zach martin on the interior that can change the entire offensive line that's a tough question on the spot you've really got to go through all the rosters and and find you know guys that are younger than you think honestly i might take daniel hunter at this point, so he's still how, seventeen. How young and productive? Yeah, I mean, he's only going to get better by the time he actually grows into an adult body. So, but seriously, I would actually like to circle back that question another time and do it for college. That would be kind of yeah, fun. yeah, for college. It's so hard when you like okay, no quarterback. So it's like assuming that you know. I guess do you have one? Because that to me, it's what kind of offense am I running? What kind of defense am I running? But it left tackle, edge, corner. If you have a quarterback, I think those are you got to go that direction. So, uh, okay, that's our show. We'll be back with you guys Friday morning. Have a great week, and uh, make sure you're following on Twitter, on Instagram, at Sticks Football. And uh, for Connor and for Mello, it's Matt. We'll talk to you real soon.